You are listening to the Sweet Empowerment Podcast with Kristen Brown, where we upgrade our relationships and life by applying practical ideas, universal truths, and life-changing wisdom. Real talk about real healing. Welcome, welcome, my beloved seekers. You are in for such a treat today with this special interview with Erin McCullough. Erin is a thought leader, an in-demand speaker, and an international teacher that helps people create impenetrable joy so they can be calm, have peace of mind, and meaning in their life now. Erin had an anxiety disorder that had her holed up in her home for nearly a year. Through that experience, she learned how and why that happened and developed strategies to overcoming and preventing it, which is what she now teaches. Erin vowed that when she found solutions to overcoming and preventing anxiety, she would do whatever she could to make sure that no one had that experience. So that has been her mission. Erin spent a decade studying the mind-body connection, visualization, and ways to still the mind. Over the decades, she has created simple strategies to overcoming and preventing anxiety, stress, worry, and overwhelm so that all her clients live a life intentionally with joy. She has been an entrepreneur for 21 years and consulting businesses and business leaders for 16 years. If you question who you are, what you were meant to be doing in this life, let Erin help you discover your own path to joy. This was an emotionally moving and vulnerable interview that I'm sure if any of you out there have struggled with anxiety and panic, you will find great value in. Let's get started. Welcome, Erin McCullough. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I I just want to jump right in and start from the top or from the back, from the history (laughs) of where, you know, the backstory that led you to become so passionate about teaching and cultivating joy for others. Well, so it's kind of a (laughs) three-parter, so bear with me on this. I'll try to make it concise and not so long. Um, It started with, of all things, uh, my uh, boyfriend at the time and I went to uh, couples counseling. We decided we needed some professional help and we went and in that first uh, session, I had a panic attack and I was like, I didn't know what it was. I'd never had one before. And the counselor explained what it was and um, asked me if I wanted to do some individual counseling. And through that individual counseling, I uh, created an anxiety disorder, uh, which is not <laughs> typical, I think, for most people. You Although created I did it within the, the therapy during the counseling? Yeah, because um, what happened was that, you know, the telling of my like trauma story over and over again, uh, I sort of, my response to it was once I had reached the pinnacle of all the anxiety I was going to experience, I recognized that there was nothing on the other side. And so what I realized was that the anxiety was created to not feel the feelings of the things that happened. So it was basically a defense mechanism to not experience the things. And, um, but it got really bad. I mean, I, uh, for almost a year, I was holed up in my home and it was 
it wasn't immediate, right? It was this gradual, like, oh, I used to run a lot and I had a panic attack while I was running. So I stopped running, right? And then I started having them at work where I was a special ed teacher at the time. And then I got really like panicked that I was going to freak my kids out and like pass out in front of the, you know, like they needed any more trauma in their life. And so I stopped working and then it just got harder and harder to leave the house. And uh, so it started there. And after about nine months of that, I was only leaving the house to go to the grocery store and to my counseling sessions and occasionally to go see my boyfriend at the time. And um, my counselor, I walked in one day and she said, you know, uh, we're really not getting at any like root causes here. We're really dealing with symptoms of anxiety. I want to send you to this homeopathic psychiatrist. So I went and um, it was a three hour interview. She gave me a remedy, asked me to wait 20 minutes. And within that 20 minutes, my anxiety was nearly gone. What? And so, yeah. So while it navigated the chemistry piece, I still had the mental, emotional, spiritual piece to deal with. Uh, so then I thought, you know, brilliant. Uh, I would just move to the small town in Hawaii, you know, paradise <laughs> mm-hmm. and, you know, not get triggered or do any of the, you know, like I would just live in this very simple life and it would be all wonderful. But I failed to recognize that I was going to be there still and, you know, began to create a lot of these experiences again, not so much the anxiety disorder, but all of the panic, the anxiety, the stress, the overwhelm. I started a business right away when I moved there. And um, within about 18 months, it was mayhem. I had, you know, 20 plus employees and, you know, multi six figure contracts and all kinds of things. So just navigating that never having been an entrepreneur. That's um, a big one. Yeah, it was huge. And About 10 years into the business, I had this moment that was a defining moment for me. I, um, a client called in the morning. She was super upset. I told her I'd be right over to fix the problem. And I raced over to a friend's to, um, you know, in a panic to, uh, drop my daughter off. And I backed into her driveway and I sideswiped my car and her husband's truck. And there was no damage to his car or his truck. And I, I like completely like (laughs) obliterated the side of my car And I turned to my friend, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, but I got to go. So I like raced out and I came back a couple hours later and she said, you know, when you hit my husband's truck, he was under it working on it and he thought it was going to land on him. And I just went, this is absolutely not okay. Yeah. And so that, you know, forced me into not forced, but it propelled me into self-development and I started going to seminars and reading books and searching and trying to find a different way to be that made sense. And I started to reconcile some things. I started to make some changes in my business and my life and it felt better, but I still, you know, was kind of missing the mark. And then I found myself in a divorce and that divorce just leveled me. And I was in this dark place and I thought, man, you know, I'd spent tens of thousands of dollars on seminars and here I am in this place and I don't have any actual strategies that I can use to get out. And so I picked up this book. You've probably heard of it. It's called The Course in Miracles. 
I sure have. I'm a student of A Course in Miracles. Love it. I have chills. So I picked it up, read the first month, and I was kind of like, this isn't really moving the needle. So I was not sure. But second month, I had this crazy thing happen where like every time I opened up the book to read the passage, it just kept saying the path is joy. The answer is joy. Joy. I just kept seeing that word joy like everywhere. And I was like, literally at the beach, just like throwing my hands in the air, just going, okay, I get it. The answer is joy, but how do I get there? I don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And then a series of things happened. I, um, a gentleman that I'd met through a seminar company had a seminar coming up. I bought it sight unseen and went, um, just hoping for anything positive. And as it was, it was a seminar about, it was a day-long seminar on uh, the visualization process that he teaches. And so I was super excited about it. I went home, I called up my broker that had my business for sale. And I was like, look, I just want to let you know, my business is going to sell by the end of the month. And he was like, um, there haven't been any bites in nine months. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what you're talking about. And I was like, oh no, it's happening. And lo and behold, a week later, I went into a bidding war and it, um, it ended up going into escrow. And, and then I went, I got another email from that same gentleman and I went to train under him to teach his full seminar. And I came home and I put on that seminar. And as I was standing there with my notes in hand, five minutes in, I, it was like this download from the universe that was just like everything that I'd ever experienced, everything I'd ever read, all of my knowledge to date, just like downloaded into my body. And I went, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to teach people how to find their joy and cultivated daily so that they can have that as their predominant experience and actually enjoy their life now. And so, and then I met the love of my life and all these wonderful things happened. So it was just like, ah, this is what it's like to actually live the life that you always wanted. And, and now that's what I teach people for the last four years. I have full body chills <laughs> <laughs> this whole time, because I understand this so viscerally, I get this on a level that I, I hear you. Let me just say that I hear you. Um, just real quick for people that uh, might be experiencing some of these things, but don't really quite know what's happening. Can you kind of define a panic attack? Well, so are they different for everybody? People do have different like, you know, experiences, um, you know, in their body. Like for me, it was so how I tried, how I was explaining it when I was the first time I had one was I felt like I was about two inches tall and I was in the corner and I couldn't breathe. Like I, like the air was being sucked out of the room. And I just was like, you know, it just felt like everything was kind of closing in on me. Um, I've also felt like I was going to have a heart attack before, or I've had moments where I was like, I was sure I was going to pass out, you know, thing, like my vision got narrow. Yeah. I mean, that's how mm -hmm. real this is, but yeah. it's actually an illusion. I mean, to me, anxiety or, you know, any low level experience is the same thing. It's this idea that we can control all these things, our environment, people, circumstances, ourselves, which we can, but we don't think we can. Um, and the like unconscious realization that we cannot. Mm. So it's that the dissonance between those two things. It's like, 
wanting to and attempting to control everybody and everything to show up how we need them to so that we can be okay and the recognition that that it's just not happening like it's just not possible right and um and that's scary (laughs) well it's it's letting go in in a very deeply profound way that is we humans we want to control like you say i have um I don't have a fear of flying, but when I get on a plane, this happened when I was going through a divorce many years ago, all of a sudden I experienced what I think was a panic attack because I, you know, the air is fine and everything's groovy. Everybody's happy. And I'm all of a sudden feel like I can't breathe. There's not enough air and I can't get out. And I was like, I can't get out of this plane. I can't get out of this plane. And then that was the first time it wasn't very lit, but anyway, it happened a couple other times on a plane only, which is strange because I guess that's an environment that I really can't control at all. And we just recently went to Seattle and on the way there, I could feel this descending on me, just like mid-flight. I was like, dang it. But I did exactly what you said. I said, you're trying to control this right now. You have no control. This is okay. Everything is okay. You're breathing. You're fine. You're the, and, and now, cause I'm a little bit more practiced in it. I was able to, to get myself out of it. And of course I announced it to my travel buddies, my husband and our friends. And they're like, <laughs> looking at me like, what? I'm like, no, this was so great. And they're like, okay, anyway, so where's our bags? <laughs> so um, I love that you talked about avoiding triggers. This is huge because a lot of us, we have these triggers and I think it's an unconscious mechanism where we just want to avoid them or control the, the situations or circumstances or people that are touching the triggers right? So we're like, you can't do that. You're triggering me. You can't do that. You're triggering me. So we, or we, we do, we start to hole up and become, try to be as small as we possibly can to avoid those triggers. So can you tell us just a little bit more about trigger avoidance and how it's actually hurting us and maybe what we can do to, to start to face that? Yeah. Yeah. Now this is huge. This this is the crux of yes. all the things, right? So this is what we do all day, every day. And by we, I mean literally everybody. Yes. <laughs> like we have been, you know, shown that the way to be in this world is to avoid, avoid, avoid. And so we do it in the, I mean, the obvious things are right, alcohol and drugs, you know, that's so obvious, right? There's newer things like social media, binge watching, whatever, um, helicopter parenting, you know, where we make our kids matter more than us, or we put all of our attention on them. Um, And then there's this other one, this other huge badge of honor that I like to talk about, which is I'm so busy. Mm -hmm. I'm so busy. I couldn't possibly, you know, get together with you or, you know, um, this busyness uh, thing is, is absolutely ludicrous. It is the biggest, I think, thing these days that people do to avoid feeling feelings. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're doing all day is avoiding, avoiding, avoiding. And unfortunately, (laughs) or fortunately, um, the path to growth and healing is in the emotional feeling is allowing the emotion in experiencing it. Not, I mean, I think 
we've come so accustomed to avoiding that we're afraid of what that experience is. And I'll tell you what you made of it in your mind is way worse than what it actually is. Um, But you won't know that until you take that first step. (laughs) So for me, you know, this growth and healing process looks like first awareness, which sometimes comes in the form of crisis, right? It's like, I can't do this anymore. Um, And then there's the emotional awareness piece, which is like, oh, I, when am I in reaction? What am I reacting to? Um, What are emotions? (laughs) Like, what are my go-to emotions? You know, is it anger? Is it um, like shut down? Is it uh, um, pretend like everything's okay? Is it, you know, whatever those go-to ones are, and you all know what they are because you do them all the time. (laughs) Right, right. And so recognizing those, what are they? And, and getting intentional about what you'd like to create versus, you know, most of the time we're going around saying stuff like, I don't want this. I don't want that. You know, we've, we're clear on what we don't want, but we don't get intentional about what it is we do want. So we say the not want, but then we don't say, and yes, I don't want this. And what I would like is this so that we can be intentional about what the next step is. Mm -hmm. And then the next piece is, you know, having some sort of strategy or tool and in order to, you know, reframe your brain so that it can, can get on board with what it is that you want to create. So we're super habitual as humans. We do the same things over and over again. We take the same action. We think the same thoughts. And then we keep wondering how come we don't have different results. Mm-hmm. And it's because our brain doesn't want us to. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, it really, you know, the subconscious mind is all about survival. And so it's really just survival piece. Yes. Um, and that's resistance happening within, but then there's all, of course, the resistance happening outside, you know, your friends and family, while they love you to not be depressed or anxious or whatever, once you start to make those changes, it alerts them that, oh, geez, I might have to look at some of my own stuff and this doesn't feel good. So maybe I don't want them to change, you know, not consciously. No. And then the last piece for change and growth is the practice of a new way of being, which is actually the hardest part, you know, over and over again, practicing this new way when your brain and society and your friends and family would prefer you to remain a status quo. You know, I often say to people, because I went through something 12 years ago, I won't get into the story as long, and this is your time, but the same thing, I was reduced to as far down as I could go. I felt like it was at bottom. I was at bottom. And, and I feel like your incident with the car and the gentleman being under, it might've been, was that a bottom for you as well? Well, you're just like that last straw. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and I did, you know, I did my work to, to rise out of it. And at the end of it, not to say the end of it, because I'm, I'm always in process to this minute I'm in process. But when I started to feel better, I thought this is, this wasn't hard. I wouldn't call it hard because people are like, oh, it's so hard. I'm like, it's different. Mm-hmm. It just felt different to me. Like you're saying it was literally a retraining. It was a retraining yeah. the way I was thinking. Mm-hmm. You agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we can, I mean, I don't like, I don't believe in right, wrong, good, bad anymore. I just know that everything that's happening is on purpose and in divine order. 
Mm-hmm. And um, until you have that recognition, then it is good or bad or hard or right. not hard or, you know, and so that process is what you decide it is. Um, and that's fine. However you want to go through that is fine. I would just say that it's less, um, it's less, it's more, um, what's the word I want to say? It's more neutral mm. than it is anything else. Yes. And, and everything is neutral. You know, it's, we're the ones that bring all the things to it. You know, we're the ones that bring the deciding of, you know, the judgment, the whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so when we can get to the place of everything is neutral and I'm the one that's deciding it's these things, then um, it just becomes a different experience, as you said. And, and I would say more pleasant, Um, but you know, everybody's going to go through it. However they go through, you know, and I do believe we're all on the same path a different, you know, different locations, but same path. Yeah. Different stories, same path. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the, what would you get, what advice would you give to someone who is in kind of that cyclical pattern of being just avoiding, 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 and afraid to look at their emotions? Let's say they are listening to this episode and they're like, wow, I'm, this is me this is me, but I'm, they're starting to awaken to the possibility that they don't have to be in this anymore. They don't have to struggle and they don't have to suffer anymore. They're starting to awaken to that. And they're like, but, but where, what's my first step? Do you have any? So, yeah. I mean, so when I start with clients, the first thing that we talk about is, is their story, you know, not the rainbow and sunshine story, but the, (laughs) the one of all the yucky stuff that happened. Mm-hmm. that, um, not because I like to get, you know, uh, we don't wallow in that story. The story is the production of that story is to recognize that, you know, while these awful things do happen, um, there are, there's opportunity for learning, healing and growth through that story. And that's what it's for. It's not about the people. It's not about the things that happened it's about what you decided because of that story. Mm-hmm. And that's really, you know, the only reason it, the story exists. And so for me, the process starts with, we talk about the story, write it out, all the details. And then I tell them that they're not allowed to tell that story again. Mm-hmm. Not allowed to tell it to me, anybody else. They're not allowed to get into relationship over it, which we'd love to do. Oh yeah, my dad was an alcoholic and abusive too, you know, or whatever the thing is. Um, and then we begin the process of not telling the story in our mind anymore. And that process is a little more entailed. Um, but it begins with recognizing that we have these beliefs based on that story. We had experiences, we decided things about ourselves because of those experiences, and we're still deciding. And so now we get to unpack that and recognize what are the things that are serving this future that I'd like to create and the things that are not anymore? And, you know, learning strategies to get past those things, you know, like you said, like practicing being different, um, practicing a new thing, practicing a new way to think about things, to look at things, knowing that 
you know, we can only see our lives through our own lens or our own filter based on those things. But when we get an expansion and we recognize we can see different and what is possible, then it expands. That whole view of what's possible becomes greater. And um, through that process, we recognize who we really are, which is not our thoughts and our emotions. It's the spectator of those things. And so I, you know, help them create space between their story and their thoughts and their emotions and recognize, ah, I don't have to be on this roller coaster ride anymore because I'm not that thought. I'm not that emotion. I am the one that is seeing those things. And how could I either change the thoughts, change, you know, go from reaction to response or just see it differently? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always say a change of perception is a change in direction. Absolutely. You know, when we see something differently, we automatically pivot and it's, it becomes, and I'm living testament of that because I just started seeing, I started seeing things differently and they weren't as my fearful brain had concocted them to be, you know? Yeah. So I, I see this a lot that a lot of people, the reason why they hold in these things is because they have a lot of shame wrapped up around their story. Is there any, can you speak to that shame piece in them? Like how, how can they look at the shame, accept the shame, love the shame and understand, you know, understand that it's there for a reason and it can, it can be unearthed. Like that shame can really hold someone back. Yeah. You know, um, shame is just not an effective response to anything. And I'm not saying it's not okay to have it. I'm just saying um, that nothing good comes from it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so while some of these things are taught through, I mean, for myself, I went to Catholic school and there was a lot of guilt and shame and things around, you know, this idea of that was portrayed to me of that religion and God, you know, whether it be, you know, right or right, right or wrong and indoctrination or whatever, um, is, is of no interest, uh, to me or even this conversation, but, um, there were definitely some themes, right. Of things that Mm -hmm. how I was supposed to feel about all these things. And the fact that people have shame and can name it is again, just another emotion that it's like, Oh, okay. So when we recognize that, we aren't the emotion, we aren't that experience, that we are the the essence of that, you know, like the spectator that can see that, then we can create some distance and go, ah, so that's that thing we call shame. That's that thing we call anxiety. That's that thing we call, right? So I do techniques like with people, I'll say, when you have a thought and you notice it, I want you to say, I want you to say to yourself, ah, I'm having that thought about, I'm having that emotion about because that creates the separateness. And then I do other like super fun things like, you know, become the scientist or the private investigator of your life. 
oh, there's that shame thing that I named shame. What is that? What does that feel like? What does it look like? What's its shape? What color is it? What are the edges like? What are, mm-hmm. you know, what are all the nuances about it? Not for the purpose of wallowing in any experience, but to, you know, create again, space between, or sometimes I say, if you really like karaoke, take those words, like I have shame about X, whatever, fill in the blank and put it on a karaoke screen and change the font and change the background color and then watch the ball bounce. I have shame about, right? Because then it's again, separate. You are not your shame. You are not any of these emotions. Mm -hmm. They're just experiences you've had that are for your benefit, are 100% supporting you in growth and healing. And they're not serving you if you're not using them that way. Mm -hmm. They're just creating this experience of not so much wonderfulness. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So can you talk to people about the difference between happiness and joy? Because people interchange those words and I I think there's a a big difference between them. I agree. Yeah, for me, how I distinguish them is happiness is based on something external. It's, you know, you get the new car, yippee, fantastic. And then, you know, eventually it just becomes a car or a house or sometimes a relationship or, you know, that job promotion, because you haven't done the internal work. It's a fleeting experience. It's like, ah, are you crossed that finish line? For me, it was that I, you know, oh, I did triathlons. I was like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. I pushed myself. I got across the line. Then I would race home to find the next race to go into. I'm like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) Like, what is this? You know, it's that fleet. It's the momentary Yes, I did this thing. That's amazing. Joy is, has those things, qualities too. It's like exuberance and like jumping up and down, but it's not always that. It also includes things like stillness and peace of mind and purpose and meaning. And it just is so like yummy and juicy and like, you know, it's, it's internal. So it's like, it's not beholden to people or external things in order to experience it. And that's why the cultivation of that and the experience of that is so important because, you know, all this mayhem can be going on outside of you, but internally when we're grounded and neutral and like can cultivate these like, you know, stillness and peace of mind, then that is certainly a different experience than the roller coaster of thoughts and emotions and all those things. Mm-hmm. 100%. Wow, that's amazing. So, Erin, can you share with us the importance of slowing down? We had touched upon the fact that people wear being busy as a badge of honor. In my experience, when I have been overwhelmed, busy, and and legit so kids work, you know, all the things that Mm -hmm. we juggle, as you know, your mother too. I felt like I could just like touch the top of the waves of my life. And I wanted to, once I started to learn what presence was, it became so much deeper. Like everything had better meaning. And this is where the joy emerged. Can you talk about like 
maybe some tools or tips I could do to slow down and just really start sinking in? Yeah, I mean, we do live crazy lives. We do have a lot going on. And I would just ask you to say, you know, when you have those moments where you feel overwhelmed, I would ask yourself, you know, the question I would ask myself was, you know, I can have all these things going on and call it overwhelm, or I can have all these things going on and decide that it's not overwhelming because I've had both experiences, you know, where I'd had, you know, so much going on, but everything just felt like it was flowing fine, Mm -hmm. but it also had the opposite, right? Which is what I think most people have is like, oh my God, like, too much going on. And I just feel like I'm, you know, putting out fires everywhere. And it just doesn't feel like you said that that was a good description The you're just the top of, you know, not experiencing anything, just going through the motions because you're just from here to here to there to this and all these things need to happen and the to-do list and all that. Um, so I would, I would, you know, one of the ways to slow that down is to decide that the experience you're going to have is not overwhelmed. It's going to be an alignment or flow or whatever word it is that makes you feel that. And then I would really assess, like, how am I breaking down my day? You know, am I starting my day in a place that has meaning and purpose, like with a meditation or a visualization or, uh, you know, some exercise or whatever that grounding neutral place is for you? I would definitely start there. So at least you have, and our body remembers. So you can keep going back to that place in a moment's time. It's like, oh yeah, I was in that visualization this morning. It felt like this. Sweet. I'm there now. Reset. Moving on to the next piece I've got to do. You know, that was a quick reset and I can reset that quickly out of practice and, and, and that anybody can do that. Um, and then just looking at all of those things and going, are all of these things bringing me joy? Am I doing them for the ultimate purpose of creating the majority of my experience in joy? Or am I doing them because I think I'm supposed to, because I'm a mom and my kids are supposed to be busy and they're supposed to learn all these things and be these superstars? Or am I trying to do that for myself? Am I trying to take on too much because I feel like time is limited? Um, And just looking at each piece and going, oh, okay. Am I doing this because the neighbor said, or my family thinks I should, or because of, you know, some idea I had from the past, or is it truly like, and how, you know, it's bringing you joy is while you're doing it, you're in that moment doing it so much so, um, that you get lost in it, you know, that you're not looking at the time going, Oh my gosh, you know, like I get on podcasts like this, where we have these wonderful conversations and I've lost all track of time Mm -hmm. because this is so meaningful for me. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm hoping that it's of service and meaningful to others. Mm -hmm. And so I'm here in this moment going, wow, this is amazing. And, and then the podcaster says, oh, the time went by so fast. And I think (laughs) it did. So those are those moments. Yeah. It's like, oh, the time I just got so consumed in it in such a lovely, beautiful way that, ah, that does bring me joy. But if it's, you know, 
And I would even say things like exercise. If that doesn't bring you joy, find something that does, because there's a billion things out there that you could be doing with your body mm-hmm. that do bring some, something, peace or stillness or, um, you know, sweating or whatever the thing is, you know, and just keep searching, you know, because just because that works for your neighbor or your family member or your spouse doesn't mean that it works for you. And that goes across all areas of your life. You know, so honoring yourself Mm -hmm. and, and there's so much, there's so much self-trust and self-love involved in honoring yourself. And we really just go, what works for me? My brother was an extreme rock climber. He did, you know, the mile high climbs where he's sleeping on portal ledges. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You know, eight, you know, eight day climbs up El Cap. And Oh my goodness. And can you imagine the amount of presence that is required, (laughs) you know? And I always said, that's, that's Jim Zen. Do I want to do that? Heck no. But I I can do like a walking meditation where I'm like, what are my feet feeling? I'm, I'm listening to the gravel Mm. crunching. And I have brought myself back to, from out of a crazy anxiety to the absolute presence, just from listening to my feet, walk on gravel to the Mm. front door. You know, it's. I really wanted to emphasize to everybody, you can make these practices your own. You know, it's, it's, it really is about getting, getting the knowledge and wisdom for someone like Erin and, and she will help work, work with you in that arena to find out what works with you and how can you honor yourself the most in this, in this time as you're healing. Um, you talked about meditation and visualization, which was perfect and timeful, big timely because I was just going to ask you that question. You know, meditation is, um, it's, it's talked about a lot now. And so I'm wondering if it's might be losing it's, I'm not sure the word I want to find here, depth or whatever, because people are throwing it around like left and right now, but can you speak about meditation and visual visualization and what it is that it really does for us? Yeah. So First of all, meditation in, from my vantage point is for the sole purpose of quieting your mind, right? So, so it's no thought it's getting to the state of no thought. It's not just listening to music and drifting off and whatever into thought, which is what we're doing all the time. I mean, we were talking about that before, like, you know, all the things that we do to not experience thinking is another thing. We're just constantly thinking of, you know, I do in my classes, I'll, I'll, I'll do an exercise. I'll say, I'm going to ring a gong, listen to it from the beginning to the end. And then when you hear the gong next, and I leave just like a couple of minutes in between, listen to it from the beginning to the end, and then tell me, you know, what happened for you with the whole goal of having a quiet mind. I mean, all the thoughts, right? The gong. Oh, wait, did she do the gong again? I didn't hear it. Did I miss the thing? You know, it's like, we're constantly like, we don't even, we're driving around. We're totally not present. We're like thinking about all the things we drive to, you know, the places we work. Like how many times you show up at work where you couldn't remember how you got there, mm-hmm. you know, because you're just so habitual and all those things. And so the, the thinking mind is happening all the time. Like it's constant. When you get into uh, meditation for the purpose of not thinking, then you can create that in your life. 
And now I went from this and trust me, it was not easy to get there because I was an overthinker and have had been for so many years. Um, it took me a long, long time. And I do want to share a strategy that helped me because it's, I think it's vitally important that we shut the mind, the thinking mind down often. Um, and actually, honestly, I don't have much going on in the upstairs very often mm -hmm. uh, anymore. I don't go down the rabbit hole of things that we, you know, like to do. But the strategy that I used to quiet the mind was having a mantra and uh, going back to it. So this is, really is a practice and that's why they call it that. So it's like you decide on a mantra, you put on the music. I recommend music uh, if you haven't started because being trying to be quiet with quiet is really hard um, for the new user. That's um, a great recommendation. But, yeah. So nice music, whatever, you know, feels good to you. And then have a mantra. It can be anything. It can be as simple as joy or ohm or, you know, whatever, happy or whatever you, whatever that word is for you. And then, you know, just try five to 10 minutes out of the gate, you know, and it's the mantra. You're saying the mantra, 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 mantra. You recognize you've got out into thought, come back to the mantra thought, come back to the mantra, just keep coming back, keep coming back. You're just trying to retrain your brain to stop thinking. And then after a while, you won't need the mantra, but it is, it's the guidepost to, ah, thinking again, back, ah, thinking again, back, which happens a billion times over in the very shortest period of time. And don't so that's judge it important. because we all do yeah. it. It's like, people's like, oh, oh I can't yeah, meditate. I can't meditate. I'm like, you're doing it by just even trying to do it. Yes. Just laying there practicing is meditating. It, yes. It's not going to look perfect mm -hmm. and just go, yeah, you know, I meditated today. It might've sucked ass, but I meditated. <laughs> you know what it I does mean? suck times. It yes. did. It, and then some days you're like, wow, I was in la la land. I saw this light yeah. being, you know, all these <laughs> and other times yes. it's like, you say the word once, you say the word one, you know, and then you're off in la la. So just for clarity purposes, can you define mantra to somebody? Is it a word or is it a phrase or is it both? It can be whatever you want it to be. Um, it just is that guidepost. And in my, you know, that might not be, I, I don't teach meditation in terms of like, that is my uh, specialty. I do a lot of different kinds of meditation now, but when I started, it was just music needed a guidepost training the brain, get back, get back, get back, get back. And obviously we want to choose, I mean, it's, you know, better experience if we choose something that is, uh, you know, higher, ele uh, higher elevation, higher uh, vibrational word, like gratitude or joy or well, yeah. um, love or, you know, right. We don't want to choose something like angry. I'm angry. Let me go back to angry. Yeah. No, that's not so good. Yeah. So, but know, I do want to talk about the visualization piece because yeah, I think yeah. this is also vitally important. Um, the visualization that I teach is where I found my joy. Like I, prior to this practice, I had no idea what my joy was. I could tell you like momentary things that made me sort of happy, but discovering that joy existed within me was through the visualization process. And so what I teach is I have people write out a day in the life of everything they ever wanted. 
that's material things, relationships, is everything, everything. Um, not this, is not for the purpose of manifesting, although it does happen this way. Um, for the purpose of having an elevated emotional experience, and in that elevated emotional experience, then you create your joy. Because the thing is, is the things that we want in our life, we want them because of how we think they're going to make us feel when we get them. Mm -hmm. And I'm asking you to have that experience now before those things. And it's possible. And that's where joy is. You know, those things lead to this idea of what it would be, but experiencing it. And so when you write out that day in the life of everything you ever wanted, it has to include all of the feels like, you know, all the five senses. And I mean, you got to be in it. Like this is the movie, you are in the movie, you're not the camera and you're not bogged down with the house. The house are not our business. The universe takes care of the house. We deal with what and why. So why do we want these things? What is it that we want? Creating the emotional experience through sensory. And just, I mean, I was like, at first it was really hard, but then I just started like physically moving my body. I'd be laying in bed doing my thing. I'd be like, yes, that just happened. And then yes. And that happened mm -hmm. because when you do that, like I just felt that rush of energy. It's like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, I can have that emotion. I can have that experience now in this moment. And if it was a day in the life, you'd be that excited. You know? Yes. Right. So that's where, you know, like tears of joy were streaming down my face. And I was like, what is this? This is so amazing. That's being present in that moment. I love that. That is, that is just so amazing. I feel like for me, it, when I was in that craziness area of my life, I just wanted peace. It was like, that was my goal was just peace. I'm like, I need to find a way to have peace. And in doing that, I, the unit, because I think I put such an extreme vibe out into the universe that it was immediate to, you know, these things came my way and I was, mm -hmm. that sounds good. And I just want to emphasize again to everybody that this is about making it yours. Like when I talk about meditating with my clients as well, they're like, well, what should I do? And I say, the sky is the limit. And I give them off a whole bunch of things. I said, you have to find what works for you. What drops you in to that space? Yeah. 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 I think, I mean, I don't know, maybe. So for me, I had a moment, it was actually at a seminar. It was like a week long seminar where I had experience for the first time being in the present moment. And it was, um, it was an outdoor activity day and uh, there were three groups and one of the groups was still finishing their activity. So they'd put us on silence and told us to just wait in this area. And I laid down on the ground. I looked up at the sky and it was you know, a beautiful day. And, and I was just like, it was the first moment where there was no thoughts in my mind. I was like, what is this? And the word just came. It was like peace. And I was like, man, I had never experienced that before. I didn't even know that it existed. And I wonder if other people had that experience too, because I had heard, you know, in the books, I'll be in the present moment. And that's the, you know, that's where you want to be. And, but I didn't really understand it until that moment. And I went, ah, I think this is that thing. <laughs> I do think it's something when, once you, you have to experience it. 
And, and, yeah. and there might be times because I went back into my childhood, I was like, I didn't have all this crazy anxiety and stuff going on in childhood. What was I doing? And to be honest with you, I was so present with whatever yeah. I was doing, whether I was playing with a kitten or riding my bike, or I remember smelling the air after it rained, like literally smelling in Arizona. It smells amazing after it rains. The wet desert is, I love that. I want to bottle that smell. And I remember like, I was just so present. I wasn't out here worrying about all of this other stuff. So, you know, I encourage people to, to, to find there is some point in your life, probably maybe I shouldn't say that unilaterally that you've had that peace. What did you do in, you know, to get there just for a moment? Did you have moments like that when you were a child? I don't remember. I don't have a whole lot of childhood memories. And that was kind of what made the counseling process sort of challenging because, um, and I kept, and I think that was the other piece too, with the anxiety was that I, I kept thinking that on the other side of the anxiety, there would be some, you know, latent story or experience that I'd had that I just had, you know, blocked out or something. And there was nothing there. It literally was void. Mm. And so that's how I knew I was like, ah, oh, this is not real. This anxiety, this fear is not real. Mm-hmm. Can't be real because there's nothing on the other side. Like I made that up. So I don't recall in childhood, I had that experience at the um, seminar. And then I had another one where I was putting together this fundraiser for something that was like super meaningful for me. And after those two experiences, I was like, oh my God, that was so amazing. How do I get that back? And I was searching, searching, searching for years. Um, and then that accident happened and I went, okay, enough. Like I've got to like, got to, got to, got to get somewhere. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I teach people moments to getting in the present moment or, you know, exercises to recognizing how to be, be here now. Um, and again, that's, you know, just like anything else is a practice. It takes a while, but um, through that, you know, it really is kind of ultra focusing on something, you know, like I teach people to like go into their garden and just look at a flower and curiosity and wonder like, why are you this color? What is, why is the petal that shape? Why, you know, I wonder how much water and light you need. I wonder, you know, if the soil is correct for you and, you know, just getting out of ourselves, out of our it's not out of ourselves, it's out of our head, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I often am like, if we could, like, these two things are so separate, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, this has got all kinds of craziness going on. This down here is present moment. So when we can get out of here and into this, mm-hmm. different. And that's why I think that exercise, you know, listening to, you know, feeling your feet touching the ground and listening to the rocks and, you know, that gets us out of here and into this space. Mm-hmm. And, and do, don't you think there's like a little bit of a, you know, there's, there is a letting go process because to allow your, your mind to, because I was going through a divorce at that time and it was, it was a crazy thing. It was a whole weird thing that was happening. It wasn't just a divorce. You know, it was like all this other mixed up stuff. My listeners know my story and 
there's a part that you have to be willing to let go of that control. Like the, your world is not going to implode because you let go for five minutes or you, it, you know, you're not going to, this whole thing is not going to spiral out because you get present. And I think it's actually the, yeah, it's the opposite of that is yes. when we let go, that's when everything opens up. When we just say, I mean, sometimes it's out of sheer, just like, okay, like <laughs> I just can't do it anymore. And other times it's intentional and all times that experience of just going, okay, I'm just going to watch this unfold. I'm just going to allow it. I'm just going to trust that the universe has my back and is going to support me in whatever this looks like. And it really, I mean, I think that is such a huge piece to growth is just, okay, enough. Mm -hmm. And just allow. Mm -hmm. And it is in the letting go. And again, I'm testament to that because I just completely let go. And I just said, show me, guide me, tell me what, when, who, what, where. And I, I literally let go and then everything went boop, boop, boop. And all the pieces mm -hmm. lined up so <laughs> perfectly that I almost, it was almost like being at a ride at Disneyland. And I was like, I just have to sit here and everything yeah. is working, <clears throat> excuse me, out for me. Like I don't need to yeah. control. And once I feel like, once you start to experience that, you're like more of this, please. Yeah. And I think it stems from this, you know, we're so conditioned to um, be validated externally mm -hmm. that we're constantly looking externally to fix things. You know, it's like we've been taught to fix things externally as well. Mm -hmm. But when we go in and do the repairs internally, then we allow for all for that what you said that, you know, things just line up, they just show up mm -hmm. and you're just like, wow, that's crazy. I had all that resistance and all I had to do was chill out for a minute. And, you know, and sometimes you have to keep choosing to, to relax, mm -hmm. right. You're just going to keep choosing. It's like, oh, there's that thing again. I'm getting uptight about what money, like people love to get uptight about money, myself included, had a lot of work to do around that, still working on some things around that. Um, you know, or, um, uh, body image issues. Um, you know, these things are not a one and done deal mm -hmm. <laughs> They're, you know, Oh, it came up again. There it is again. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I see you. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to let, I'm just going to sit with you for a minute and then we'll be on our way to just, okay, here it comes again. Mm-hmm. Feel that I, I feel that so much. Uh, one last question, because yeah, the time flew by. <laughs> How do you feel like being present and cultivating joy affects relationships? Oh my gosh! So I <laughs> just started working with couples, and it is so exciting. I love it because you know I've worked with individuals for a long time, but the and it's lovely, of course, to see growth there, but I do believe that we, especially romantic relationships are meant like 
everybody is our um, soulmate, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody that comes into our life is there to teach us something about ourselves, not about them. (laughs) And, but in romantic relationships, like what a delicious environment for you to see who you are and to see your patterns and to see where healing and growth can happen. And those people we call into our lives are for that purpose. It's amazing. And when I um, counsel with couples uh, together, I just see it. So I teach them rather than elevating each other, you know, other, triggering each other and then elevating the conversation to like that hurts and this hurts and that hurts worse and let me hurt you back. It becomes, ah, comes from our responsible place now. And it goes, oh, that thing you just said, that did not feel good. And um, I'm letting you know that I had need some work to do there and um, versus, you know, you did that and it made me feel this way. It's like, I'm letting you know that did not feel good. I definitely need some healing and growth there. And there's nothing that you can do to make that any better for me. I get to do that. Mm -hmm. And so you get to be responsible also for the healing and growth, as well as the emotional response that you're having to them. And, oh my gosh, it's so amazing to watch people like grow together and recognize together. Like, oh, oh, there's that thing again. Thank you for bringing that up. I mean, it doesn't feel like thank you at the time, but (laughs) it is thank you at some point, you know, when I feel like it is thank you at some point. Yeah, for sure. That was my experience where I was like, Ooh, look at this little nugget I'm uncovering about myself. I feel like growth becomes exciting. Once, oh, once yeah. we get over the, the fear and the scary part of, you know, I call it the bunny in, or the bunny in the bush. We got this loud thing shaking behind us. We think <laughs> it's a bear. And then when we finally look at it, this little tiny bunny pops out. We're like, I was scared of that <laughs> yeah. over the bunny in the bush. It, it becomes really exciting. And it's like, if I can feel better and better and better and better and better, I'm going to keep looking at this stuff. Something yeah. I've noticed, I'd like to know if you've had the same experience is that meditating being present, just being the observer even has helped me in my relationships in the regards that I don't react as quickly to someone's snarky attitude or snippy mood. It's more like, oh, look at them now. Oh, okay. Somebody's having, someone's hangry or something. (laughs) It just kind of slows down the whole it, 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 for me, I'd like to know what it, what it's like with you, Aaron. It's like, it's, it's a place for me to take things less personally, because like you said, we've created this space between the action and, and it's meaning mm. and, and it's, I've created the space. So it's, you know, it's sometimes I get, I have enough of enough, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but sometimes for the most part, it's like, wow, look at what's happening over there with them. What is your experience of that? Yeah, I, I agree. It's uh, it really becomes this um, movie, right? It's like this movie out here, and you're just like, oh, that's so interesting. They're in reaction to that. Oh, or um, sometimes it's me that's in reaction. I go, oh, that's so interesting. I'm in reaction to that. I wonder what that is. Just completely out of wonder and curiosity. Not, I'm not. There's nothing to do other than experience it and let it be. Um, but that shame piece is, you know, that's where this fits in. It's like, oh, a lot of people will go to shame or blame or 
fault, yeah. right? And um, it just becomes interesting. It just becomes uh, the news, right? Mm. So it's like, oh, that's just the news, right? I mean, sometimes we get fired up over the news, but most of the time they're just reporting stuff. So that's just a report. Oh, there's more data. Interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing to it. You know, it's like, oh, that's interesting. Or, um, you know, all through the pandemic, you know, being, you know, working and, and having my kiddo at home and uh, becoming a actual teacher again in that capacity Mm -hmm. was um, certainly had its moments. And we, um, and my daughter, you know, she's pretty versed in all this stuff because she's been. Oops, you cut out. Oh, did you? You're back. Okay. You can pick up from my daughter is very pretty versed in this stuff. You cut out. Yeah. My daughter's pretty versed in this stuff because she, you know, listens to what I say to clients and from the other room or whatever. And sometimes she likes to use it against me. <laughs> Just say, well, you know, I'm going to school doesn't bring me joy. So I don't think I need to do that anymore. That's um, funny. <laughs> but through the process of, you know, having these extra stressors that a lot of us parents had through the pandemic and things like that, it was interesting to watch my reaction. Like, oh, I don't like to do homework after five o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And I noticed I'm a little agitated right now. <laughs> And she would, you know, pick up on it too and go, oh, that's interesting. You're, you know, and we would laugh about it. Um, And so when you can bring other people in on the joke, so to speak, then they can also help you to recognize, oh, interesting. I'm in reaction right now. That's uh, not what I, it's not the experience I want to have. And um, yeah, and it just becomes less about, you know, putting these negative, uh, titles on, you know, labels on like shame or blame or fault. And it just becomes uh, just out of curiosity and wonder. Oh, interesting. I'm in reaction now. You're in reaction. Oh, wonder what that means. And you bring up a really good point because when we show up more in our light, that does impact those around me. Like I, I have a 15 year old and to hear her speaking to her friends about things, it's like, she's like, mom, I feel like I, I know things. I said, how do you think? She said, because I listened to you and I was like, <laughs> you know, but the same is true for your, your friends and people around you. When you show up in a, I don't even know the right word to say, um, authentic, authentic, you know, more in your joy, more in your light, more in your wisdom mm-hmm. being not being afraid to be who you are and speak truth, what I call capital T truth, Mm. you know, it's, it's a resonating, it's a ripple effect. It is. And it's when we, we're not only helping ourselves when we break out of these old patterns that are tired and wearing us down and, and beating us up, we're actually helping the world going forward. Like it's, there's a light that is, is shined out there. Like we hear so many times, if you want to be a great parent, the best gift you you can give to your kids is to, to work on yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm Testament to that. I'm a very different person slash parent than I was to my two older kids that are 10 and 12 years older than my youngest one and her, there's a more calm. There's just a less stress. I don't know what it is. It's more rooted in one piece more. I like myself more. I'm not as worried about what the world thinks of me, 
but she's just getting a different version of me than they did. You know what I'm saying? But I was always working on myself with, with them too. Like I've always been on that path. It's just who I am. But Mm -hmm. I feel like this is, this is a win-win for the entire world when we really start to heal and grow. Absolutely. I mean, we become a beacon to those seeking Mm -hmm. and, you know, whether it's friends, family, uh, community or whatever. And, um, and then we, you know, vibrate for lack of a better way to say it at a certain frequency that only allows, like I used to have, uh, just as an example, like in my past life, <laughs> um, you know, before all of, you know, this understanding, I would have run-ins with, you know, customer service reps all the time. Like my phone's not working. I have to call them up and, you know, just be like, oh, they're rude. They're this, they're that. I never have those experiences anymore because I don't, they, I don't allow them in. They just, they don't exist in my world. And when people are rougher, you know, uh, you know, short or whatever, I, again, like you were saying, don't take it personally. I just like, oh, that's, that has more to do with them. And often I wonder if they have any awareness, you know, I go, oh, they probably don't have any awareness that that's happening. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and that gives me an opportunity to practice compassion for myself and for others. And in that space that we're holding for the people in our lives, which is a ripple effect. It's not just the ones that we can see. It's like this energy wow. is going out exponentially. Um, it, that this is what's changing the world. This is, this is what's elevating consciousness and that it's mm. super important because this is why we're here is for that very purpose to evolve as humans individually and as a collective. Mm-hmm. And do you see that happening? I feel like that's happening I don't know if it's like speeding up, but I'm seeing it. I don't know if it's because through social media. So people have access to more information, but I feel like I'm seeing this happening. Like there is kind of a broader awakening, maybe through the whole thing we went through in 2020. I don't know. What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that it is, um, it does have a experience of speeding up. Um, I'm sure social media helps and, I mean, you know, people like Oprah who started this, you know, 20 years ago, uh, you know, saying, you know, people who have influence that are intentional about what they're doing and their intention is coming from a place of love and gratitude, um, matters. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think people like her got the ball rolling and, and now it's um, become becoming more acceptable, the vocabulary around things like just meditation alone. Like most people in the past would have gone, oh, it's woo-woo or whatever. Um, and just woo-woo itself is sort of becoming popular, I think. It is. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, there's definitely an awakening happening for sure. Um and again, we're all on the same path, just different locations on it. And, and it's, it's meant, you know, and some, some people may not even, you know, may not be this iteration of <laughs> that they, you know, have some knowing of these things. But I think, you know, most of the things that I talk about, I feel like are when it's resonating with people, it's a re-knowing, like they knew that Absolutely. deep down. 
already. Um, and so it's not like I'm some magical person that came up with, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, these are things that I know to be true also on a deep level that I heard from other people or that I experienced in my life. And, um, and I'm just sharing it because I think that everybody should have this experience. And if they're not seek, please, you know, maybe it's not from you or I, but there's somebody out there. There's, mm-hmm. there's many voices saying very similar things and oh, for sure. Yeah, just find your person and and um because uh yeah, you're meant to be enjoying now. You're meant to be enjoying your life at this very place, even if it doesn't look how you think it should. Yes. And I think that's about resonating. When something resonates with you, you're like, okay, there's something to this. Like Marianne mm-hmm. Williamson was for me, you know, my mm-hmm. first course in miracles um introduction was through her a girlfriend kept saying to me you need this book you need this book you need many years ago and then i went into was going through this crazy time in my life and i walked into you're gonna love this story i walked into this one of my hair i did hair for 28 years so one of my hair clients does this used book book sale and i went she's like you gotta come you gotta come sunday's half price books and there was return to love for 50 cents it was a dollar (laughs) <laughs> on sale for 50 cents. And wow. I, that thing is bruised and tattered it is the original copy. You know how she changed wow. it to the red, the red, co- or the red cover now. And I, that I soaked that in, like something feels so true about this. And I didn't know a course in miracles from anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And then that made me want to search even more and even more. So find out what resonates with you. You know, like, like Miss Aaron said, it's, it doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be her. It can be just anybody. Something's going to click with you where you can start adopting that truth. Because I do believe as souls, we, we do recognize that truth when it comes in. Mm-hmm. Well, Aaron, this has been a deeply moving, amazing, Aww. full body, chill, God <laughs> kind of interview. I love it so much. And I, ah, so amazing. I would love for you to share how the listeners can hook up with you, find you, Give us all your goodies. I'd say the best way to get me is probably on Instagram. Um, my handle is Aaron, E-R-I-N-M-A-C-L-L-C. And, um, you know, I post a weekly video of, you know, strategies or things to think about. And um, my uh, email, not my email, a part of me, my website is also in the profile. Okay. Um, and you can email me through that if you want to get, or you can DM me on Instagram. Um, and, uh, if not my website, if you're not on Instagram, my website is, uh, Aaron, E-R-I-N dash or hyphen M-A-C.com. And uh, there's all kinds of goodies on there too. And I love Aaron Mack. I just want to call you Aaron Mack. So I'm going to call you <laughs> That's because after I saw you on Instagram, I was like, oh, I love Aaron Mack. That's so cute. I just want to introduce her as Aaron Mack. Very <laughs> cute. Thank you so much for blessing us with your presence here today. This was truly beautiful. And I really appreciate you. Oh my gosh. Thanks for having a platform to talk about these things. It's really important. And, um, and I know it can be a lot of work. And so I appreciate you and for even considering having me on here. It's, it's a blessing. I hope you all enjoyed this interview as much as I did. And if you did, I would sure appreciate it if you jumped over to iTunes and left me a five-star rating and review. And don't forget to share it with someone that you love. 
Until next time, everyone, remember, you matter.